though there may be intense worldly struggles, intense worldly persecutions, we have a hope that is in heaven. We have a peace that is in something far greater than anything this world has to offer. We are no longer slaves to the sin that chains us, that shackles us, but we are set free not by anything that we could do or any power of our own, but of that free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ gives. You sent your one and only begotten son to die on the cross to rescue us, to pay the price that we could never pay. So Lord, while we may be evaluating the cost of following Christ, though it may seem heavy at times, let us follow you. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. As I'm sure by now you've surmised, Pastor Dreyer and his family are on vacation. A well-deserved two-week vacation. We're very blessed to be part of a network of Southern Baptist churches that's part of the Southern Baptist Convention. And we're able to plug into that network and get incredible men to share the gospel and the good news with us while we have our pastor out. His exact, Al Fernandez is here this with us this morning, like Brandon mentioned. His exact title is South, Southeast Region Catalyst in Florida Baptist Convention. Oh, I like that catalyst, it gives me catalyst. Him and I also share something very special. His Facebook page he has under his name, Made in America with Cuban Parts. Al Fernandez and I share that very much. Made in America with Cuban Parts. Al Fernandez, please bring the message this morning. Okay. Well, good morning. Woo, I'm loud. Bring me down a little bit. Good morning. I'm always excited to be here. I think you know that. Man, I was just, I walked in, I was ready to preach. Man, thank you so much for the opportunity once again to share. Uh, I, I accept kind of the honorary, we're, I'm part of the family now, uh, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, this denominational guy, right? Uh, I love Fifth Street Baptist Church. I love each one of you. This is an awesome church. I, I am so grateful to what you're doing here in Key West. You are a light uh, in the city that needs Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen. And thank you for, uh, for, that, for that mission. I also want to thank the guests that are here this morning. I've already met a, a family from Louisiana. So thank you for if you're, if you're visiting. And this is, this is just a great church and a, a great uh, a pastor. I think you know that. Uh, Josh and his family. Man, you have one of the best. I think you know that, right? Amen? Amen. Man, so take care of him, right? Take care of Pastor Josh. He's a, he's a good man. He's, he's still, he texted me uh, a day or two ago. He's working on something because he's working on a research paper or something, and he, he was asking me for a quote. So he's still on the job doing something. I don't know what he's doing, but he's not quite, quite relaxing, I think. Anyway, that's Josh for you. Um, I, I, I'm going to ask um, uh, David Lavalley if you can come up. David, I don't know where you're at. David, there he is. Hey, this is for you, David. David, um, so my understanding is that you served in the military. Uh, uh, 24 years. 24 years, and please uh, share a little bit about what branch, how, uh, uh, what, what you did, and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, uh, 24 years. 
years in the Air Force, um, spent about half of it in the air uh, flying. Uh, my, my wife's actually a pilot. I was navigator of electronic warfare, so I was in the back running a bunch of equipment and trying to keep the plane from uh, on course. And um, so spent many years going all over. Yep. Hear me better now? Yeah, there you go. All right. Maybe, maybe, maybe you want to start a little, share a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So 24 years in the Air Force, uh, have about half of it flying around the, in the skies. So, so was, your, was your wife ever a pilot when you were, you were in the plane? Were you guys ever uh, together? Uh, yes, a little bit. Um, <clears throat> you kind of can't both be on the same crew. Okay. That's a, a, a law that was passed back in World War II called the Sullivan Act. So we couldn't be on flying in the light like, But in one case... She was a pilot, on, and, and they just put me on passenger orders, so I wasn't on the crew, but I was on the plane. All right. And that bypassed the rules. All right. So this is, uh, <laughs> basically, this is a military family for, for real. I mean, husband and wife serving in, in, in the Air Force. Yes. Um, <clears throat> we were both in the Air Force when we met, okay. uh, but, and neither one of us really came from a military background. Okay. So, so uh so I have a son in the military also, and uh, I am well aware that there is a cost in, in, in serving our country. So I want to ask you a few questions on that. So yeah. uh, a question, uh, how has this uh, serving our country uh, cost uh, your residence, uh, you know, your home? I mean, tell me a little bit about how, what cost that, that has been to yeah. your family. Well, I look at it, you know, like, and Bim, you've been here for, in the same house for, I won't ask how many years, but, you know, Many people are in the same house for decades, and that's not the way we are in the military. We move every probably two to three years, which means you uproot everything you own, you pack everything up, you get to the other end, you get it all on. You have to buy a house and sell a house and unpack and buy new stuff from what they just broke when you moved. And the kids come out of the schools and they have to move to the new school and get new friends. And <clears throat> so yeah, it's just uh, you're always. I was going somewhere new, and right. you never can really dig down your roots, like some of you, you know, some of you who've been here for decades. And so, and so you're, so you, where are you originally from? Uh, I, I, I grew up in Georgia. All right, so you haven't been back to Georgia. Any, I mean, you've been, you've been, you've been gone from Georgia for a very long time. Uh, yeah, I've been, <clears throat> been back to visit on occasion, but basically, I haven't been back to Georgia in over 30 years. All right, okay, so. Another cost, uh, reputation. How has serving the military cost you your reputation? Well, yeah, for repu it's kind of interesting. It's not really a malicious thing, I don't think, in many, most cases. It's you know, ignorance. People don't understand what it is to be in the military. They look at it and they go, they have this preconceived notion of what people in the military are like. And that's not true. Everyone is a little different. And they think, they take that preconceived notion, they look at you and go, but why would you be that kind of person? That you don't seem like a warmonger or whatever their perception is. And, and so, yeah, you get a lot of people who just don't understand who come to you and go, why would you do this? Um, probably my favorite quick story on yes, that yes. is my wife got accepted to the Air Force Academy, which is a four-year university, graduate with a bachelor's degree, and have a guaranteed job to go in the Air Force. In high school, she had people coming up to her and saying, but you're such a smart girl. Why would you go, why would you go in the military? You're so, you are so smart. Why didn't you go to uh, college? They just don't understand. 
And so, you know, everybody thought she was making this big, horrible mistake in her life mm. because she wasn't going to college, but she was. <laughs> And, and so it's just those mis misconceptions that lead people to okay. think. Right, thank you. Well, so the final question is, how, how has serving in the military cost you relationships? Yeah, that's hard. <clears throat> um, you can't build a real relationship in two years. You can get to know people, you can say hi, you can get friendly, but you don't make those really close, personal, lifelong friends in two years. Because not only do you, <clears throat> you know, you don't have time to build it, but people know you're going to be gone. Why should I get so close to you and become best friends with you when I know in another year and a half you're going to be gone and I'll never see you again? Mm. And so it's really tough to build those relationships of any kind long term. <clears throat> so you're constantly starting over again, new people and trying to build new relationships, and that's really tough. Well, David, thanks for sharing. Would you please uh, just uh, thank him for his service? To our country and also all of you i know this is a military uh, uh church all of you who have served in the military thank you for your service as well and for your for your cost in serving this country thank you david for for coming up well this morning the surprise surprise the title of the message is the cost of following jesus the cost of following jesus christ and it's found in luke chapter 9 verses 57 through 62 luke chapter 9 Verses 57 through 62. Please go there. I'm reading from the New International Version. And will you please stand in the honor of God's word? It says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of God, Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow, looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the impact it makes in our lives. Lord, I thank you that today we have a passage here that clearly explains the cost of following you. So Lord, I would pray, Lord, that first of all, that we would leave here differently as we have come in, understanding that there is a cost, and Lord, that we would be willing to pay that cost in order to be faithful to you, as you are always faithful to us. And this we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we live in a society that promotes and worships convenience. Um, uh, we, we love our comfort creatures, right? We love to be comfortable. And um, many of us were, were, uh, were trained uh, to share the gospel by listing the benefits, the benefits of following Jesus. You know, I, I just turned last month, I know this is hard to believe because I don't look like it. You're going you're to say yes to this. I just turned 64 uh, last, last month, okay? Thank you. But, uh, you know, uh, as, as many of us here who are in that, you know, that age, uh, I, I'm out, now I'm taking... Well, some medication, 
right? I'm taking medication. And when I take that medication, you know, every time it, when you get it, you go to, uh, to whatever your pharmacy is, you, you get this packet, and, and, and they make very sure that, in, 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 that there is some information that you should read. And that information, it starts off by giving you all the benefits of that medication, how it's going to help you, and why the doctor gave it to you. But, but, but there's also a longer list of the possible side effects, the possible negative effects of that medication, right? Uh, it, it, it gives you the positives, but also the negative results or possible results of that medication. See, I find it interesting that nowhere in the gospel, listen to me, nowhere in the gospel do we find Jesus trying to peddle himself or sell himself to others. It's nowhere to be found. In fact, on many occasions, he actually made it difficult for people to follow him, to trust him, to put their faith in him. And our passage uh, this morning deals with one of those occasions. In Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, Jesus tells us that to follow him might cost us three things. It may cost us three things. So this morning, I want to give you three possible costs in following Jesus. Three possible costs in following Jesus. Number one, are you ready? This is where you say, yes, Al, I'm ready to listen to this, okay? Listen, you know me by now. You know I have this poor self-esteem, and I need feedback, okay? If not, I don't know if you're with me, and I'm going to feel really bad. So, uh, so I just want to make sure you're kind of engaged in listening to what God has for us this morning. So number one, it may cost us our residence. Following Jesus may cost us our residence. We'll go to verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now, the first man that Jesus encountered was already a follower of Jesus Christ. He is a believer. He's a born-again Christian. In fact, notice that he's walking along the road with Jesus. By the way, Jesus was a rabbi. And rabbis, if you, if you know anything about the history of, of, of rabbis, they taught as they walked, right? Uh, church was done uh, like that. It was just an ongoing thing. That's why we, we hear Jesus make illustrations about things he sees, right? So he's walking and uh, with, this, with this man. He's walking with Jesus. He's a Christian. Not only is this man walking with Jesus, uh, uh, but he has this personal relationship with Christ. So much so that this man belonged to the church that Jesus was the pastor. You think Pastor Josh is a great pastor? He is. But man, imagine being pastored by Jesus himself. Wouldn't that have been really cool? Jesus was the pastor of this man. Jesus knew this man intimately. And, and, and in a moment of this kind of, a, you know, you've been there before, a, a spiritual high, you know, maybe the music is going in just the right way, and you're praising Jesus, and man, the sermon, and all of a sudden, you know, he makes this, uh, makes this uh, a decision, right? He makes a decision, uh, and he says to Jesus, uh, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere you go. And he made, it, he, made that, he made that public. I mean, everyone at church heard him that morning. Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere you go. In reality, the man should have first asked Jesus, where are you going, Jesus? Where are you going? Because we know that Jesus, Jesus, as he was walking on that road, that road was leading him to Calvary. 
It was leading him to a cross. It was leading him uh, to suffer uh, and to die for our sins. It was not an easy road, and he was not going to an easy place. It, was, it, would, to, uh, it would be a hard and brutal road. And Jesus would eventually get to the end of that road, to the end of that journey, listen to me, all alone. No one was there when he got to the end. No one. His disciples, his trusted followers, his church, his people, all those individuals that formed that body of believers were not there, were not with him at his hour of greatest need. So Jesus responds to this man as he tells Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And he says in verse 58, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. See, Jesus acknowledged that God created residencies for all his critters. Now think about it. Foxes and, and birds and all types of animals. I was, I was, uh, I was, uh, uh, I was there at the parsonage uh, this, this morning. I was greeted by chickens and roosters. They're all over the place here in Key West, right? By the way, it's a growing phenomenon in Miami now, right? And it's, I think it's our people that bring them. I don't know. I could be wrong. And, and, uh, and, and, and those, those, those chickens and, and roosters, I, you know, they have a place to lay their head, right? They have a place to rest. Uh, 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 all, of, all of God's creation, right? Yet the Son of Man, he said, had no place to call home. See, following Jesus may cost us our residence. Jesus left his home in heaven to come to earth to die on a cross. If it costs Jesus, who we say is our Lord and Savior, who we say is the one that we're following, if it costs Jesus his residency in heaven to come to earth, to die on a cross, if he left his home in heaven to do the will of the Father, why would we think that it would not cost us our properties to follow Jesus? He gave us the example that his home, that his residence was of least importance when it came to the mission that his father gave him. And so Jesus set the example when he lived on this earth to let us know that our homes on this, uh, on this, on this planet is not of the utmost importance. Yet, we as Americans love to invest and buy homes and we make a big deal, the American dream, right? What's the American dream? It's getting harder to achieve, but it's to buy a house. And there's nothing wrong with buying a house. There's nothing wrong with investing in your, in your home. I'm just saying that it's, it's not more important than the kingdom of God. And Jesus set the example and it may cost us our residency. Number two, Following Jesus may cost us our reputation. It may cost us our reputation. Look what it says in verse 59. He said to another man, follow me. Now the second man wasn't on the road with Jesus. He wasn't on the road. He was on the sidelines. Do you know any sideline Christians? Do you know any sideline people? Right? Sitting on the sideline, kind of observing 
what's happening, right? They're, and they're, and they're, and they're, and they're, you know, maybe in the back there, just kind of looking. They don't, they don't want to get too involved, but, you know, they're looking, they're, they're observing, right? And this, this person was like that. He was on the sideline. He was, he was kind of watching the parade go by, if you will. Jesus is walking, right? He's walking, he's teaching, and the guy's just kind of there on the, on the bleacher, you know, watching this procession go by, and listening to what's, what's, what's being said. This man was observing Jesus, and Jesus, for some reason, felt compelled to ask him to follow him. He stops. I mean, he's walking, he's teaching, and he stops church in order to step aside and ask this man to follow him. Can you imagine? Do you imagine being asked by Jesus himself? I mean, face to face, right? The creator of the world, right? The creator of our soul. He's asking us, looking in our eyes, saying, follow me. Notice the response. Notice the response in verse 59. It's, uh, notice the kind of the unusual excuse that he gives. Lord, first let me go bury my father. Now, I mean, that seems like a reasonable excuse, does it not? I mean, oh, well, I didn't know your dad died. I'm sorry, your dad died, right? Well, much has been written about this excuse in commentaries in so many books. Uh, apparently, the father probably was not dead. He was just very old. Kind of like Oscar, you know what I'm saying? Kind of older guy. Oscar, you're not going to die yet, man. We're about the same age, so I can say that. He, he, was, he was an old guy, right? He was just old. And, and it was religious and social and family obligation that for the son to provide for one's father. I mean, that's a good thing, is it not? I mean, and, and it's not like today. It's not like today, like, like they, they placed parents in the old folks' home, right? Uh, that didn't happen back in ancient time. In fact, in other, in other uh, societies in, uh, in our world today, that's not even practiced. I mean, Families take care of the elder, right? And this is how the custom was, right? It, 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 it was an expectation that uh, parents and old people would not be a burden to society. Uh, that, was a, that was something that the family would do uh, out of not obligation, but out of just love for their, for their parents. By the way, funerals were a pretty big deal too by, by, by then. You know, they, it wasn't like today. I mean, funerals, I mean, they went for a long time. I mean, for weeks, right? Uh, it, was a, it, was a, it was a time of mourning, uh, and, and, and they would make a really, they would hire professional criers, right? I mean, imagine, imagine being employed as a, a, a professional crier. I don't know how you, you would do that, but, you know, maybe they're actors, you know, actresses, you know, who could, who could cry. See, not to provide for his father or arrange for his funeral would have cost this man his reputation. I mean, think about it. Sometimes we spend a lot of time worrying about what people think about us. Think about our jobs where we work and our neighborhoods and our families and, 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 and we're kind of concerned. We, you know, we, we live in a society that is always trying to, uh, always trying to project what you, what, what, what I think you want, what, 
as you see me, right? So social media, right? I, I'm, I'm, put, I'm putting things so, so you have a certain picture of who I am. And, 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 and we worry about what people think about us. And that's why sometimes we don't want to share our faith with others because we're, we don't want to offend them. We don't want them to think otherwise of us. So this man had a, had a concern, had a concern about what his reputation would be, what, what people would think about him. Now no, notice in verse 60, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you, you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus' refusal to accept this excuse is a striking example of the radical transformation of loyalty that he demands. Let me say it again. He did not accept the excuse. Jesus does not allow anything to stand in the way of the kingdom of God, not even his own family. That's why he had so much issue with his own personal family. If you, if you, if you go into the gospel, uh, even Mary, the one who probably knew him best, who knew, who knew for sure what his mission was on earth, because it was told to, him, to her by an angel, even, even, even Mary who he knew the best, tried on several occasions to get in his way, uh, to stop his progression of the mission that his father had given him. See, if you follow Jesus, listen to me, if you are really truly a follower of Jesus Christ, you will be misunderstood. You will be misunderstood. Not only did his family misunderstand him, but Many others misunderstood Jesus. The religious establishment misunderstood Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, his, his, his biggest battles, as we read, were, were against the religious groups, right? He was misunderstood by the religious crowd. He was also misunderstood by the government leaders, right? The Roman government. Uh, they, 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 were, they, they, they felt somewhat threatened by this man who said he was the king of the Jews. And, so, and sadly, he was also misunderstood by his very own disciples. How many times was Jesus teaching and they did not get the point? They didn't understand what he was trying to say. And he would have to, you know, the meeting after the meeting, right? Remember? The meeting. And then the meeting after the meeting, he would have to explain what he was trying to communicate. See, Listen to me. There is no greater calling than that of proclaiming the kingdom of God. It is greater than family. It's greater than our nationality. It's greater than our ethnicity. It's greater than our race. It's greater than our political affiliation. Jesus is greater than anything and everything in life. It may very well mean that people will misunderstand you, criticize you, and scorn you when you follow Jesus. Be prepared to be misunderstood. Be prepared in that area of life. Following Jesus may cost us number one, what? What was the first point? Residence. Secondly, it may cost us our what? Our reputation. Okay, you're, you guys are following. I'm very impressed. I'm going report to report this to Josh, by the way. All right? He's going he's to know that you guys, are, you guys are, are with me here. I feel it. I sense it. I know, I, I, I know we're together. Finally, following Jesus 
will, not may, will cost you your relationships. Let's go to verse 61. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, the third man, after hearing the other two men dialogue with Jesus, right? Because he's, he's the third person, so he's been listening to all this. He heard, you know, the guy who's a member of the church, the guy who was not a member of the church, and now he's, now, and now he's had this opportunity to see what's you know, been going on, and now he has an opportunity to respond. He says, I will follow you. I'll follow you. Now, when a positive statement is followed by a but, you know it's not going to be good. How, how many single people here? How many single people? Single, single, single. It's okay. You don't have to be, you don't have to be bashful about it. It's, it's okay to be single. We were all single one time in our life, weren't we? All right? Single people? I don't know. I've been married all my life. It feels that way. I don't know. I'm just kidding. Don't tell my wife that. She's not here today because she's not feeling well. So how about this? Uh, single people are used to be single. How about this? I really, maybe I have somebody tell you, I really, you know, somebody you're kind of dating, you're kind of going out with. Hey, I really do love you, but as a friend. Right? But as a friend. How about if... Uh, 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 in your employment, your boss tells you, you are a great employee. Man, you're, a, you're one of the best. But we need to let you go. How about if you go to the, uh, to the mechanic, maybe to the dealership or to your local mechanic, the engine of your car is fine, but your transmission needs to be replaced. Or how about the item you picked out on the catalog is our best value. Sorry, we're out of stock. Right? The but. The but. And there's a but behind this man's statement of affirming, yes, I will follow you, but he tries to, try to, uh, uh, to, 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 make a, to make a clarification on what he meant. So in verse 61, we say that, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Now, of all the requests, I think this one seems to be maybe the most reasonable, right? Say goodbye to my family. I mean, I mean, I'm a big family guy, right? He basically said to Jesus, though, it will take me only a few hours, and I, I'll be right back to follow you. Just give me a few hours, Jesus. That's all I need. In verse 62... Jesus responds and replies. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a city slicker. I, I was born and raised in Miami. I've never lived in the country. I have no interest in living in the country. Uh, I don't like the country. I like lights. I like buildings. I like people. I like traffic. Yes, I like traffic. I like all that, all that mayhem. But I, I have gone out to the country. And my father uh, was from the country. And uh, my understanding is, when you're plowing, man, you better be focused. Right? I don't know if you've ever driven out in the country, but you see those, those fields, man, they're like, I don't know how they do it, but they're like straight. Right? When they're plowing, man, it's incredible. I don't know how they do it, but man, they're focused on something. 
right? I mean, I know today they had GPS and all that kind of stuff, but back in the day, just, you know, just keep those things. Because if, and if they would get distracted, right? If they would look back or look at somebody, you know, somebody driving by and they wave up them or something or, you know, get distracted for the simplest thing, you know, that, that could shift the rows that they're plowing. It's kind of like a ship, right? They say that, if, you know, it just, just if, if a ship in its navigation, its compass, is just off by a minimal degree, you will not end up in your destination where you're, where you're supposed to go. See, Jesus knew that two things would happen if he granted this man his request. First of all, he probably would change his mind to follow Jesus when he met his family, right? I mean, imagine the scenario. He, I'm going back. Jesus, just give me a few hours. I want to go say bye to mom and dad and my siblings and my, and my uncles and my aunts and my cousins, right? I'm going back. And, and so you go back, right? And it's what, kind of what David said. Why are you going to do that? I mean, you're a smart person. You could do something else. I mean, you got so much in front of me. You got your life in front of me. Why would you... Why would, you, why would you do this? Oh, no, no, we need you here. Son, please, don't leave. Uh, we, don't break up the family. And you can imagine the kind of pressure that this person would have would gone through. The second scenario uh, would have been that it would probably be very difficult for him to stay focused on following Jesus if he did, if he did go off and follow Jesus. Because scenario one happened right? And so now he's, now he's out in the field with Jesus, and all of a sudden, what happens? You get homesick, right? You start realizing, oh my goodness, I left, my, I left everything. I left my residency, and I left my, my family, and I left the people I love, and you start getting very homesick. You see, following and staying focused on Jesus is not for the faint of heart. Many well-intentioned people have wiped out in ministry because they got distracted listening and following others. See, I personally, and you too, probably do too, know people who once were faithful servants and followers of Jesus Christ, maybe right here at Fifth Street, and they're no longer involved in God's kingdom work. The pandemic has taught us that. About 20%, and this is across a board, pastors that I meet with, churches that I go to, about 20% after the pandemic never return back to church. I mean, they're not even, on, they're not even on, online. They're just out. And they're not at other churches. They're just out. See, Jesus made it very clear that there may be a high cost in following him. You see, sometimes we forget about that. Listen, salvation is free. Amen? You can't pay for that. It's not what I'm saying. But once you receive that salvation from Jesus, there may be a cost in your decision to follow him. And that's in the scripture. It's in the Bible. It's not easy believing. And by the way, it's not prosperity gospel either. There is nowhere in Scripture, folks, that it says that if you follow Jesus, you're going to get the biggest house, the biggest cars, the, big, the best jobs. The life will go great. You'll, you won't get cancer. You won't get sick. 
If you can find that, show it to me. Because if anything, when I read the book of Acts, I find that those that followed Jesus for real, like the Apostle Paul and Peter and the Apostles and those individuals, man, they, they paid the ultimate price for following Jesus. All of those individuals died as martyrs. I want to clarify that God doesn't ask us all to give up our residence. doesn't ask us all to necessarily give up our reputation or even our relationships. But please understand, he has every right to ask us, and he may. So this morning, as we apply this lesson from the Bible, what is Jesus asking us to do in his service to follow him? Is he asking us to maybe leave our, our homes, our residence, our houses? Is it costing us our reputation or even our relationships? Maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here and you've never made that decision. I would encourage you to trust and place your faith in him. I will let you know something, that trusting Jesus is the greatest decision that anyone can ever make. Maybe some of us need to uh, take that next step of decision-making. Maybe you haven't been baptized. Maybe you need to join this church. Or maybe God is asking you to serve him and to let go of some things in order to be faithful to him. And just like David and his family made a decision to serve our country, and you also we have a decision to serve the kingdom of God. It's a decision that God may be asking you. I, I don't know. But if he is, um, today's the day for you to make that, make that decision and to follow him. So we're going to have a time of uh, response. Uh, you can stand up and we're going to, uh, our praise team is going to play. And it's just going to happen in a moment. It's not going to be very long. But first of all, if you've never trusted Jesus, this is an opportunity to come up. And I'd love to explain to you or one of our deacons will, will talk to you. Or maybe God's just calling you to something. Maybe it's to serve in the VBS. I don't know. But you've never served in the VBS before? Maybe this is your time to serve? I don't know what it is. But I have to believe that just like in this passage, Jesus is calling us. Please stand.
on While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. we're going to pray and dismiss. So please bow your heads. Dear Holy Father, thank you that we are gathered here. Thank you that Pastor Al came down, gave us this message. Let us go out. Let us worship you by our conduct and by living out, by recognizing the cost to follow Christ and by choosing 
to follow him. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.